Hi, Rodney Jane here. At Bob Jane T-Marts, we're all about safer holiday driving. This April, get one tyre free when you buy three selected Bridgestone, Yokohama or Dunlop tyres. Plus, up to $150 instant cash back on selected tyre brands like Bridgestone, Michelin, Pirelli, Goodyear, Continental and Dunlop. We won't be beaten with our best tyre price guarantee. Shop online at bobjane.com.au. At Bob Jane T-Marts, we'll look after you. Taste and see supply. coming for a long time. These two do not like each other. There are two parts of the story as always. Red flag, this is a suspended uh, race. Hey, welcome back to the Parked Up Podcast. We're powered by Race Fuels here. My name is Grant Rowley and a very interesting episode of Parked Up uh, coming straight up at you. So two interviews. One is one that I did and it's with Renee Gracie. She is returning to the motorsport scene, having been a uh, rising female star in the sport in the uh, i guess in the lead up to around the COVID times and uh, things didn't really work out and as uh, the world shifted she moved into the adult entertainment industry and now she uh still with the love of motorsport is coming back she's going to race in the fanatec gt world challenge australia powered by aws she's going to compete in an audi r8 and i grabbed her uh, for a chat about all the things, everything from uh, you know the uh, the demise of her racing career, the adult uh, her move into the adult entertainment industry, and now she's coming back. She's still in the adult ent- entertainment industry. She's got the OnlyFans car. It's going to be very hard to miss. I'm sure it's going to create a lot of attention at Perth for the next round of the GTs, where she'll be uh, making her debut in the GT class and her official return to racing. Uh, and look, she's also got uh, Stan Sport documentaries being made about her as well. Uh, a very interesting, different, uh, but important news piece that is going to play a part of the next round of the Repco Supercars Championship uh, that's coming up, uh, not this weekend, the one after. Looking forward to that. Um, and the other chat is with uh, Ben Barguana. He spoke to Mark Fogarty about his upcoming TCR World Tour debut, which he's going to do over at Portimao in Portugal. That's for round one of the Kumo TCR World Tour, his uh, first ever international car race. So folks caught up with Ben. Yeah, for an extended chat, you might have heard some of it in Parked Up Plus earlier in the week. Uh, but uh, it's actually that the the, uh, the Portimao race is happening on the same weekend as the Perth Supercars, Perth GT. So um, too much motorsport is never enough. Let's kick this episode of Parked Up. Of course, we're powered by race fuels and we love race fuels. And if you're ever thinking about uh, filling up your car at a racetrack, of course, the only place is to check out our great friends at race fuels. They're at every track. You can't miss them anyway. All right, here we go. This is my chat with Renee Gracie. She's making a racing return and she was kind enough to give me some time for Parked Up. Hey, it's great to have Renee Gracie on the Parked Up podcast. Renee, what a uh, a whirlwind trip from the last time we saw you at a racetrack to uh, to the, uh, the next time we're going to see you, which is next weekend over in Perth racing in GTs. Thanks for coming on Parked Up. Thank you for having me. Okay, cool. So uh, a lot has happened since, yeah, we saw you last race. You're competing in GT World Challenge. You're going to race an Audi 
uh, we, under the um, under the guidance of Mark Griffith's team. So uh, tell us how all of this is happening and what's your feelings leading up to Perth? Yeah, so it's been a long journey to get here. I think sort of 2021, a few years ago now, I sort of started to look into the possibilities of returning to racing um, and started to talk to a few people, communicate to a few people, Mark obviously being one of them, and just fishing the idea of, hey, if I was hypothetically to come back, would you run me? Would you help me? Would you look after me? Um, and that seems to be quite difficult at the time. Um, I think obviously post-COVID and everything was just not its norm. It was difficult to to get answers from people and to have somewhat of an idea of what I was able to run and where I was going to go. And I think just over the last few years, it's just ticked away in the back of my mind for a long time now, obviously trying to do something. I have fans and supporters ask me all the time, when are you going to get back racing? Surely you have to go race something now. Like surely you can get back in a car. So it's always ticked away in the back of my mind. And yeah, we finally got here. I was lucky enough last year. Um, to make some connections with OnlyFans personally when I was traveling over to America. Um, and we just started having the conversations like, hey, I've, um, I'm looking at getting back into racing. I used to race cars and now I'm on OnlyFans and everyone keeps asking me on OnlyFans when I'm coming back into racing, you've got to be a part of the journey. And one thing led to another and we had deeper and deeper conversations and sure enough, they were interested and pitched it all to them and saw they saw the opportunity and they saw how exciting this could be, not just for them, but I think just for my story in general they really do want to support creators on the on the platform they know that there are creators who have talents and have passions outside of of only fans and they want to help support that when they can and i think it all just aligned really well finally two years later um yeah and we're, we're at where we're, we are now i guess in regards to going to perth and having you know, all the sponsorship ready and we're doing a full season in the gts and i've got a good team with mark um, someone who's sort of supported me from day one, from when I was, you know, racing fresh out of go-karts in Porsche. Um, yeah, and he's been really supportive as well. And everyone is just happy. Everything's worked out. I've had huge support from the GT category as well, which has basically made this happen. If they didn't, obviously, if they said, no, we're not going to run you, they wouldn't run me. None of this would be happening. So um, hugely grateful for them as well. And we're all just really excited now. I think it's just been a huge lead up. There's been so many phone calls, so many emails, mm -hmm. so much preparation. We've essentially made and started and done everything to start a race team from scratch in just a few months so it's been a huge huge effort um and yeah i think we're just really excited to make it to perth i think that's going to be a celebration in itself um and then just get the first one done and dusted ticked and look forward to a big busy year yeah cool all right well, we're looking forward to seeing you back out on the track have you you haven't driven the car yet are you going to get a chance to drive it between now and Perth? As we talk now, we, we're kind of on track uh, in about a week. I suspect the first time you're going to drive this thing is going to be out the gate at Wanneroo Raceway. Yes, correct. I haven't even seen the car yet. Unfortunately, we've just been so pressed for time to make this all happen and to do it properly. Um, and things have just taken their time to obviously make it all happen, which is, that's just motorsport sometimes. You just get thrown in the deep end. That's how it works. So unfortunately, I won't have time to be in the car before Perth. So the first time I'll see the car will be at Perth and the first time I'll be in the car will be at Perth. What's what preparations have you done in the lead up? Is there is there sim work? Uh, you know, fitness and and health. Uh, you know, what do you do to get yourself ready for this when you just when you simply haven't had the chance to get behind the wheel? 
I think the the biggest thing for me is that I'm lucky enough that I've just recently sort of been on a bit of a fitness journey throughout last year. So I'm feeling really good. I've lost last year, I lost 12 kilos and, you know, I'm feeling the strongest I've ever been. I'm not really worried about my fitness at all because I've really worked hard on it um, throughout the last 12 months. So I'm feeling super confident with that. Um, I honestly feel like I'm stronger and fitter than what I was when I used to race, believe it or not. <laughs> um, so I feel like uh, I'm one less thing to worry about is my fitness is just not even one of those things which I'm, I'm really happy about. Um, and I feel like that would have been a huge stress coming into this if I didn't think that my fitness was on track. So um, I'm, I'm confident with that, that that's going to be okay. Preparation has just been obviously watching videos, talking about things, getting data sorted, haven't done any sim work. I'm really going to dive into this week going over data. We've locked in an engineer and some guidance and stuff now with that sort of stuff, which is great. Um, so I can obviously go over it with somebody else and talk sort of with someone about what we're going to do, how the weekend's going to around what I should work on and what I should try and do. So those chats are basically starting to happen now um, and really just entrench the whole next week of my my life just being about Perth and making sure I'm there and I'm ready and I've done everything that I can in regards to preparation as best as I can with what I've got given, which is unfortunately not track time, but I do have data and people that I can talk to. Mark's in my corner as well, who's been there a few times in GT cars. So just got to do the best with what I've got at this stage, but I'm feeling most of the other things are ticked off. I would have been a, a lot happier with the test day, but unfortunately you got to roll with the punches and it is what it is. And like I keep saying to everyone, I feel like I've been thrown in deeper ends than this one, to be honest. Uh, yeah, cool. Well, uh, have you been to, Perth, have you been to Wanneroo Raceway before? Yes, I have. I have. I went back in about 2016 from memory in my Super 2 stint when I did Super 2. And then I did do a lot of work when I did driver training. So I used to do a lot of driver training for car manufacturers. And I did a fair few events out in Perth. So you're two weeks at a time. You're working um, for two weeks straight, basically doing uh, track laps and you're coaching people on how to drive and race their new cars and all that sort of stuff. So I have done um, enough there to know at least what direction it goes and how it looks <laughs> and enough to remember the tricky things that it throws at you like if it's windy and it's a bit sandy etc so lots of um, sand lots of sand yeah and, and i know a few little tips and tricks just from my my short times there but i do i feel like i know enough to sort of feel confident or relatively confident as i can be with sort of the preparation i've been given yeah not a typical gt track that we that we know and love like a like a Bathurst or a, or a Phillip Island, which really suits those uh, type of cars. But uh, I guess it's um, probably more getting these laps under your belt. And and the great thing is that you've you're doing the GT Trophy class, so no obligation to have a, a co-driver. You'll get to do all of the laps yourself. They're sixty minute races. That's a uh, it's a fairly long way around any any track. Uh, you're definitely going to know your way around Wanneroo by the time you finish, uh, by, by the time you get to the end of Sunday. Definitely. And that was one of the reasons why. Obviously, we had difficulties with sharing with someone, finding a co-driver who A, wants to even share with me, someone who obviously is happy to be associated with OnlyFans and other brands and sponsors that they might have to bring. It brought in a lot of complications. So the trophy class made the most sense to do that. And it is exactly right. You're right what you said. It's just laps after laps after laps. And in comparison to the categories that I have raced in, um, where we might only get you know eight minutes of uh, qualifying and we might get a 20 or 40 minute practice, but someone red flags 
times it so we really only do three laps and we go overtime on races so a 12 lap race turns into 10 laps it's it's quite common to get cut short in the other categories that I've raced in so to be able to have uh so much track time it's I'm gonna leave Perth I think really just with so much information probably overloaded as well the amount of stuff that I'll learn about the car myself and and things that will sink in and will become apparent to me after all that track time I think is going to be really valuable leading to the rest of the season yeah cool uh cool so you talk about the resistance there from others and um yeah a little bit of a shame in some ways but maybe obvious in others did you did you try and do did you want to originally do this with with a pro or with a uh, with another driver of someone who could have guided you or at least uh, done it with you? Fair enough, you wouldn't have got as many laps, but um, you know you would have had a teammate and potentially competed in a different class. Was there resistance to do that because of the the sponsorship and the situation? Yeah, we ruled that out pretty quickly that it just wouldn't work based off we knew that we had only fans on board and the deal was going ahead and we just knew based off interactions with other teams and other people that there was resistance with people wanting to be involved. And sometimes it was nothing personal. Sometimes it was purely someone might have had a... a, a corporate sponsor or someone who had been sponsoring the team who just didn't want to be affiliated or associated with OnlyFans, which is totally understandable. Um, there's nothing you can do about that. It makes complete sense. And it's not just OnlyFans. There are other businesses that don't want to be associated or affiliated with other businesses, which makes complete sense in a corporate world. Um, so just based off those interactions that we had leading up into organizing all of this, we ruled it out pretty quickly that it was going to be pretty difficult to make it work. But we're hoping, we're, we're hoping that everyone sees that this is a normal operation. Just because OnlyFans is sticking on the side of the car doesn't mean that it's not running like any other race team. It's it's a normal operation where we're all wanting to go racing and wanting to have fun and just have a cool experience. And just the, the journey itself is going to be hugely exciting and rewarding for everybody. And we're hoping that everybody gets that, everybody sees that. And there's no reason not to be involved or associated or affiliated with myself or OnlyFans as a part of this journey. There's nothing to be scared of as such. Mm, yeah, cool. Hey, certainly not the first time that we've seen uh, what we could call a controversial sponsor. It's certainly not a Coca-Cola or a uh, a uh, Bunnings Warehouse, but uh, you know, not the first time that we've seen that in uh, in motorsport at all. Um, you know, and all around the world. So um, yeah, full power to you. So, um, what do you sort of expect the reaction? to be you've obviously got a huge online following and there's been you know great interest within the motorsport industry about what you've been doing and great interest in uh, mainstream you know when you get to the track uh, you know people can hide behind um yeah, facebook and instagram pages and say whatever they like but um you know it's different when you get face to face and you'll be there uh at the coal face of the uh, of the action what do you think the reaction from uh, the racing fans is going to be like. This is something that obviously a lot of people always wonder. Um, I and people ask me all the time, "What do you think about it?" I don't pay attention to it really. I don't. I don't engage. I don't read comments. I don't. I don't pay attention to it. I don't do anything to engage it. I I always find that people will have opinions no matter what. I learned that on learned that very early on in my racing career. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
that even when I was doing nothing wrong and I was just, you know, just a little old Renee going racing, I would still get, you know, abused and and people would send me death threats and, and all sorts of things on Facebook and, you know, I was 18 years old. So I've been getting it for a very long time, which is unfortunate, but I'm also very used to it and I just am so not bothered by it. And everyone thinks that it's something that could be bothering to, to I guess, a normal person. But when you're exposed to it for so long and when you're unfortunately used to it, it's just in one ear out the other. I don't put myself in situations where I ever have to see any negativity, hear it. Um, obviously, I'm fairly lucky that most of the people who are online who say nasty things generally don't say it to my face. Um, mm. But I have been in situations where that's happened before. You know, at Bathurst, I had beer cans thrown at me and, and whatever else. So, again, it's just it's just the normal. I mean, if everyone liked me and everyone supported me, I feel like I would be doing something wrong. Um, I, you know, there's I don't expect everyone to like me, and I'm sure that they have their reasons why. And and that's fine. I don't. I really just don't care. I don't engage, and it just doesn't bother me. Um, at the end of the day, I also feel like too. They're still watching. They're still paying attention. They're they're still following me. They're still the ones who are commenting on my stuff, whether it's nasty or not. They're still engaged in everything that they do. I find generally the people who dislike me are the ones who actually support me on paper. They're the ones who support me the most because they'll follow me on every single platform. They'll comment on every single photo. Um, they engage in all of my photos. They engage in all of the stuff that I do um, and they don't realize that it's actually just supports me and helps me. Um, so I think there's a positive to everything. But yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. I personally, what I really hope out of it is that it just satisfies the fans that I have had for so long. I've had so many fans when I left racing. I thought my following would go down. I thought I'd have no fans. I thought everyone would forget about me. And up until recently, people to this day, six, seven years later, are still asking me when I'm coming back racing. I've had fans who have followed me uh, for years since uh, I get sent photos of when people took photos of me at go-karting events um, when I was like 12 or 13. So uh, I think I just really want to show that it wouldn't have happened if if, if they didn't support me for so long. If, if these people weren't pushing me to come back in and if they didn't support me, I called them my OG fans. They've, they've just supported me through thick and thin no matter what I do and I'm really doing it for them. I don't really care about anyone else. I'm obviously happy for anyone who comes on board and all the new people. I don't care about any negativity or any people who hate or dislike me. It's really just more for, for appreciation to show them that if you guys didn't stick with me and support me and keep pushing me to come back, none of this would have happened. Yeah, cool. Great attitude. Uh, and interested to see how it all unfolds in Perth and kind of cool that it happens at a supercars event. It's uh, odd that it'll be all the way over on the other side of uh, what feels like the planet. We've got a uh, pretty big um, pretty big open space of a country here. We're going to go over a couple of deserts to get there. Um, but uh, yeah, really looking forward to it and, uh, and great that you're uh, going to compete in uh, or just compete again in motorsport. You haven't done it for... Uh, quite some time it was uh, you, you did your uh, obviously karting uh, and some junior racing but I guess when we saw you in the national level it was uh, Porsche Carrera Cup uh, and a couple of years in Super 2 of course you did a couple of wildcard appearances in the Bathurst 1000 but I guess it all leads why did leads me to ask why did you leave I feel like when I left the sport, it was overdue. I, I was over it and I was disheartened and I lost my passion for it way well before I left. Um, 
it was something that because I was thrown into it so quickly and so deeply and it was on such a big scale, it was all eyes watching, it was pretty much the the move into Super 2 is when it really started to to play on me because I could sort of see that I was really just sort of like a transaction to people. People were sponsoring me, people were doing all these things and they were a part of the journey, but it was, you know, every inch of everything I did was scrutinised and I, like I always say to people, the racing part of it was 1% of everything else that was going on. It was such a small percentage. The racing was like just a little tiny speck compared to everything else that I was scrutinized for, picked on for, the pressure that was put on me for how I looked, how I talked, how I acted, um, my social medias, appearances, uh, all sorts of things. And and I just feel like it was a great experience and I obviously wouldn't, wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for all of that. But I just feel like because people saw the opportunity, I was pushed to do things I didn't want to do. I was pushed into situations that I didn't want to be in. I was pushed to do things that I just simply didn't want to do and didn't feel comfortable doing and that slowly wore me down. And then on top of all of that, obviously, uh, there, there was the hate and the people and things that people were saying about me internally in the sports and the categories that I was in. Also, all the online stuff at the time was really hard to deal with. That's when I sort of learned that I was going to stop paying attention to that. Um, it just became too much and I just simply lost my passion for it. I just wanted to go racing and have fun like I used to in go-karting and Carrera Cup and that's when I did my best. And I feel like when all of that shifted and it got a lot more corporate and there was 10 times more pressure when I hopped into the Super 2s and everyone was wanting me to go into supercars and everything was happening too quickly, I simply just got over it. So I had no regrets. I really did not think about racing um, or want to go back into racing for at least two years after. I was so burnt out. I was so over it. I just, I, I couldn't have thought of anything worse at the time. Yeah. And it wasn't until really that I got into the position where I started my OnlyFans, I became successful. I sort of found myself a little bit. I found something that I had a passion for and all of a sudden I'm doing something that I love again. Then it starts to tick away in the back of my mind. Like this is the, this is what I love. And I love when I love something, if that makes sense. And when you have a passion for something, you're driven and you're successful and you do well, then all of a sudden it's, you know, if only I could, you know, go back into racing and feel this passion again and feel this excitement again. And then I have fans asking me about it and that's how it sort of evolved. If it wasn't for, I guess, the successes that I had, and and sort of being in in a position where I can basically afford to do things and, and I'm in a financially strong position, I feel like I probably definitely wouldn't have been able to get back into this as well. So I feel like OnlyFans really ignited the passion for me, as crazy as that sounds, because it was just good to find something that you loved again and do something that you love and do something that's fun and exciting and just reignite that spark of like purpose almost and, and that sort of, why I started to think, okay, maybe I can do this again. I'm, I'm stronger. I'm mentally better. I'm in a better frame of mind. I'm a better person. Um, and I'm in a better position to return and be in control of my own destiny now. Oh, I guess I kind of, I'd, uh, and you probably answered what I was going to ask. Like after, you know, feeling that uh, disappointment of um, of not being able to follow your passion and, and having your passion turn into a, effectively a nightmare, why come back? Why come back now? How did it reignite when when it sounds like it got to a pretty low ebb? Yeah. So when I left when I left motorsport, I was like low, low. Like I I will never, ever, ever let myself get back to those just mentally, physically, how I felt as a person. I was just burnt out. I was in a deep, dark place. 
Um, I hated myself. I just hated everything. I was disappointed. I didn't have a plan B when I left racing. I dedicated my whole life. It was my plan A. So when it all started to fall apart, I knew it was falling apart and I knew that I was losing my passion before I left, but I still didn't have a plan B. I was, I was still just focusing on should I do it, should I do it, I don't want to do it anymore, I hate this, no, I need to do it, no, I don't want to do it. And I was fighting those internal demons. Um, and then eventually when it was just time, I cannot physically do this anymore. Um, yeah, I was at the lowest point I think I've ever been at and I wish to never, ever, ever get back there. Um, and, yeah, it it's, it's, was a really, really hard thing to dedicate your life to something and want to do something so badly and just want to have that that adrenaline and that rush and that feeling and that excitement and just be able to wanting to do something for the rest of your life and basically all of a sudden all external factors really because it wasn't me because the passion was still there it was all the external stuff which made me not like it so it was really disappointing in my own mind to go you know it's still what I want but I physically can't do it because I don't like this I don't like that and it was all the external things and that almost made it 10 times harder because the passion was still always there clearly it was still always burning away in the back of my brain um, but it was just all the things that were almost out of my control which made me which made me not want to do it anymore. Yeah, so so ending your racing was hard, but I guess making the decision to go into a completely different field was, um, you know, probably brought up a whole bunch of other questions. Do you think the was it the frustration and the disappointment of of ending your racing career? Would was that did that play a part in entering this OnlyFans adult entertainment world? Was it or was that? Was that something that was kind of just there for you anyway and that took on its own lease of life that that led you into that next couple of years of your post-racing career? Yeah, so I had absolutely no idea that OnlyFans was going to be what it was. <laughs> I I originally started it purely, again, because of my fans and stuff. I was posting on social media a lot more. When I raced, I didn't really have control over my social media. So in, that, in the years that I left, I gained my social media back and I realized that I was still posting after my racing career. I was still posting stuff that wasn't really me. I was trying to be proper and I was trying to do what I was told to do for so long, being controlled by, obviously, everyone I was controlled by at the time to look a certain way, to act a certain way, to talk a certain way, and to be a certain way, um, I started to change and be myself more and I found that my following grew. I remember one, like about a year after I left racing, I remember one morning I woke up and I went from like, I got like ten or 15,000 subscribers overnight because I was posting stories and videos and I had my car and no one even knew that I had like a cool holded up little Mustang and everyone was like, oh my God, I didn't even know you had that. And then it made me realize like these people know nothing about me. They think they know me, but they have no idea who I am. Um, and then I started to post photos like by the pool and in bikinis and was never meant to be anything sexual and no intentions to do that. I was literally just would be in the pool with my dog and I'd post a photo and then people would start to message me going, you know, you should start an OnlyFans and sell these photos. So I was like, well, what's this OnlyFans stuff? And at the time I had nothing to lose. I really didn't care. I think I was really reveling in the fact that I had no one controlling me and I didn't have to ask for permission to do anything. So I feel like it came at a great time because if I just – if anyone would have told me no, I would have done it anyway because I just felt like I was in that time of I'm going to do what I want. No one can control me anymore. I'm done. Um, 
and yeah, I feel like I was getting lots of messages. I was just being myself, but lots of people were really enjoying it and really loving it. And then obviously people were like, you should be selling these photos. I'd pay for these photos. Can I buy these photos and download them and have them for myself? And I'm like, oh, oh my God, these people want to pay for photos of me in a bikini? Sure. Um, so I literally just started an OnlyFans and that was always the intention was just to sell basically Instagram photos that I was putting on Instagram and sell it to my fans and I made an OnlyFans and from the second that I started it, it's just been, it hasn't stopped. It's just been a huge, huge journey. My page has just blown up and it's just insane to think that for someone who, I went on there thinking that I was just going to sell a few bikini photos to a few hardcore fans and make a little bit of money on the side to where I am now where, you know, I'm earning six figures a month. It's my full-time job. It's all I've ever done for the last three years and, you know, it's going to be my retirement basically. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's crazy to believe that that was never the thought but it's where I'm at now. So the OnlyFans stuff um, continues, the content creation continues in that regard alongside the racing. That's the intention at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. So they'll be they'll be coincide together nicely. Obviously, one thing when I started the OnlyFans, I didn't realize that how I guess closely I guess the fans are linked and connected. You know, these people who follow motorsport, most of them like attractive women. You know, you have grid girls and they love seeing that side of things. And there's a very very strong connection between obviously having good looking girls around cars and bikes and, and in motorsport. And obviously I was that link, which was something that I didn't realize until the time. And then yeah, it's just taken off. So obviously the plan to do, to do this only fans have the sponsorship and to do only fans as well to have the content where I'm in my race suit and I'm in the car and all of it's going to be meshed together nicely and everyone's going to be able to either consume, you know, my racing and my content on my socials or they can, can see the racing content and everything else on my OnlyFans as well. Awesome. Well, it uh, sounds like a uh, busy year. And if those figures are right, then uh, you'll definitely be able to pay for yourself and a couple of your mates to come and race as well. It's a, uh, a, a lucrative business. So, um, yeah. yeah, certainly congratulations there. Um, and tell me the the... Uh, talking to OnlyFans, uh, the, the business itself about supporting your racing, how did those conversations go? You know, I guess uh, it, it's certainly a unique, a modern, unique uh, sponsor within uh, within motorsport or probably within any sporting property, really. So how did you originally uh, pitch the idea and, and what was the process like? Yeah, so I originally met, um, I've, I was went over to America a few times last year and, and did a few content days and content events where I was networking and meeting other OnlyFans girls um, and the events are hosted, they they have OnlyFans girls there and OnlyFans obviously had a representative there meeting all the girls, seeing the days and just meeting everybody, being there, handing out merchandise, making connections um, and I obviously was lucky enough to meet him and yeah, it was I just ran the idea by and just gone, hey, like, you know, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm so grateful. Um, you know, I used to used to race cars. I'm looking at getting back into racing. Um, and it was sort of just like a soft conversation in the beginning. But then, obviously, I've come home, time passed, and looking at getting a bit more serious. And I thought, you know, we should really try and hit them up. Um, so, yeah, we, we pitched a deck. And I have a team over in America who helped and supported me as well with getting the deal across, um, who sort of helped me with all my social media. So we did decks, and we really pitched it to them. And we had Zoom calls and phone calls. 
and, and many, many, many meetings um, in many different time zones, which is very fun to navigate. Um, but, yeah, we really worked hard over a, a good few months to make sure that they were happy, um, full breakdowns of what's involved. The hardest challenge was is obviously they've never been involved in this level of motorsport. They've dabbled a little bit and they have supported other people in motorsport overseas. Um but I guess being in Australia and being on a, such a bigger scale as in their a main sponsor, it was really lots of back and forth to make sure they knew exactly what they were getting. You know, there's so many things away from racing too that I have with them obligation-wise in regards to all my social medias and posting on my OnlyFans. And I have a whole bunch of things that, you know, I'm doing with them as well that's away from the racing, but that's it's a part of what we're doing. Um, so it was really making sure they knew what was possible, what I could do, what's, what's going to happen and how it's going to happen. Um, but yeah it was definitely long long talks lots of chatting and texting and calling and back and forth but yeah we finally got there and they finally said yes and yeah it's probably one of the the best days of my life I thought I've already had some of the best days of my life but somehow they keep coming (laughs) well yeah so I guess OnlyFans has is you know not only uh set up the uh rest of your life with uh putting cash in the bank, I suppose, but uh, now OnlyFans are uh, also helping you go racing. It sounds like you're getting an absolute win-win out of all this thing. Yeah, it's really exciting. It was funny when I was talking to them, they had actually already seen a few articles about me linked with my racing and my OnlyFans. So I think I was lucky in that aspect that they had a few articles and a few things pop up overseas that they had seen about me as well, which was really cool just to show that, you know, this is serious what we're doing. We're not just talking, you know, a small thing. We're talking, we're, we're being serious here and, and what I'm doing is, is going to be a great opportunity to be involved in. And I think it's just really cool that they see I guess the story, it's a, it is a really cool story and it's really its really amazing that OnlyFans have been so supportive to it because they really don't have to be. Um, you know, I'm set up, I'm on the platform, people already associate me with OnlyFans, I'm already on there, I'm already making money on there, I'm already established, I have been for years now. So the fact that they want to come in after my successes after the last three years and be involved in this story I think is really, really cool because they don't have to be, they want to be, which I think is is the best part of this story. You know, they, 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 everyone knows OnlyFans. They have, they have the reach. Everybody knows about it. But to be involved in the journey and the storytelling of, hey, I left racing. I started OnlyFans. Now OnlyFans are supporting me get back into racing, I think is, is really cool. I, I think about it often and I just think, you know, how lucky I am to be in this position and how grateful I am and just how much it means to me that they can see that it's a cool story and it's a really amazing opportunity for all of us. Right. And uh, the other element to all of this is the documentary that will be aired on Stan Sport. Uh, can you tell it how, like, how many episodes are we going to see? What type of story is this? What deep dive do we get into the world of Renee Gracie with this? Yeah, well, at this stage, it's meant to be, I think it was going to be like a feature length documentary, but I haven't really I've sort of been given a guideline, but I, they've sort of said, you know, it changes stuff happens who knows what could happen so it's definitely going to be feature length whether it's you know a two hour or one and a half hour it's broken up into two 40 50 60 minute episodes it really just depends but it's a deep dive the, I've had lots of zoom call meetings on top of all of this with the Stan girls and they pr- probably know more about me than I know about me they, <laughs> they, they send me like quotes and photos and I'm like how do you have this how did you find this and they show me all these things that they found on the internet they've, they've really dived deep into to 
encompassing who I am and how they're going to portray me and my journey. Um, so I think it's going to be really exciting. It's honestly hard for me to imagine because I obviously live my life. So it's it's I can't imagine how they're going to recreate it, if that makes sense. It's, it's a weird concept for me to think about, um, but it's going to be covering off everything, my journey, how it all started through go-karting, Carrera Cup, Super 2, quitting, leaving, doing OnlyFans, and then the return as well. So there's going to be a lot, and it's basically my whole life story up until this point. Cool. Oh, very good. Well, uh, and, and when do we expect to see that come on air? Next year. It'll be filmed this year and then go into production and be aired next year. Awesome. Renee Gracie, we are looking forward to seeing you come back to the uh, world of Australian motorsport. Uh, and it's great uh, that you're bringing what you're bringing. It's such a cool, different story uh, to uh, to what we regularly see. You know, usually sometimes I have to write stories about, uh, you know, gentleman races or, or professional races or whatever coming into GTs or whatever class, but uh, this is certainly uh, offering a, a very cool and very unique story. But most importantly, it's just great to see you back, uh, coming back to the track, and uh, we can't wait to see how the uh, your return to racing goes. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay, there we go. That was Renee Gracie, and we thank her for her time on the Parked Up podcast, and you'll be able to see her compete in round two of GT World Challenge, which uh, will be over all the way on the other side of the country in Perth. And, yeah, really looking forward to getting over there. It's a bit cold in Melbourne at the moment, so I'm sure our uh, West Aussie friends are going to turn on some uh, slightly better weather for us. Um, right, okay, from a adult entertainer to a male model himself, Ben Barguana competes in the TCR Australia series. He races for the Gary Rogers Motorsport team, and uh, this year he's also taking in two rounds of TCR World Tour. He's competing with uh, with a fellow Peugeot team over in uh, in two races, one will be at Portimao and one will be at Spa Francorchamps uh, in May. So a couple of big races for him to uh, keep his seat time up at some pretty cool international venues as well. As part of Parked Up Plus, Mark Fogarty, the great man, spoke to Ben Barguana in the lead up to his first international race that'll be at Portimao. Uh, and spoke to him about uh, about that and about the uh, the other TCR World Tour races that will happen back here in Australia uh, later in the year at Sydney Motorsport Park. And, of course, Mount Panorama is part of the super cheap auto Bathurst International. So here we go. Mark Fogues versus Ben Barguana. Ben Barguana, welcome back to Parked Up. Well, Ben, you're about to embark on... Um... A pretty exciting journey, taking part in the first round of the inaugural TCR World Tour. What are you expecting? Yeah, no, um, great to be back. Yeah, look, first round of the uh, TCR World Tour. It's coming up in two weeks' time for me. Look, I- I'm stoked. I'm I'm really pumped, and I'm actually quite nervous as well. But look, we're gonna we're gonna be the only Peugeot out there, so um, expectations really just give it the best shot. Um, and see if we can fight inside that top 10. But, yeah, look, I'm I'm so excited for it. Well, it certainly does sound exciting, getting stuck in amongst all those stars of, of TCR. Do you really think top 10 is realistic? Um, look, yeah, I think so. We've we've learned a lot with this Peugeot 
uh, back here in Australia. Um, we're starting to find a lot of speed with it, and I think we can take that overseas. Um, Claire A Sport have, you know, they've won lots of races overseas, so um, I think I've got I've got the tools around me. I I think I can go do the job. So, uh, we'll, but look, I'll tell you on the Sunday night of Portugal if if we're fast enough. Two big events to kick things off at the Portimao circuit in Portugal, and then you go to the big one, Spa. I mean, both tracks, well, interesting, but both certainly Spa quite daunting. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're both going to be daunting. I think Portugal for me is going to be a totally new experience. Obviously, I've never raced overseas, so um, look, getting used to the the whole foreign country thing, uh, totally different racetrack. Um, it's going to be exciting. And then going to Spa, I mean, everyone knows what Spa is. It's it's one of the coolest tracks in the world. Um, and uh, I don't get much testing when I go to Spa. So it's going to be very daunting. Um, I'm going to have to be on my game. But look, I, I can't wait for it. It's going to be one of the best experiences of my life. And of course, by doing these two opening rounds of the TCR World Tour, and then of course, well, presumably, Sydney Motorsport Park and Bathurst later in the year, the two Aussie rounds, that puts you in a pretty good position to be able to qualify for this World Tour final that we expect will come up sometime next year. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think that's our plan. When we saw the whole um, thing get announced and, and sort of how it operates, we wanted to get invited to that to that final round. Um or the, the, the showdown or whatever it's going to be called. And, yeah, look, giving the two overseas events are going to give me a great opportunity, plus the ones back at home. So we'll give it we'll, – we'll put our best foot forward um, and hopefully we get invited. And one would imagine the international competition you're going through will um, really sharpen you up for um, for the local series. Oh, absolutely. And everyone I've, I've seen over the years or talked to or anyone I know who's ever gone overseas and raced and come back to Australia has come off better. So I think it will definitely sharpen me up. I'm going to learn a few tricks from the big boys over there. Um, and, yeah, I'll hopefully be able to come out swinging when I come back to Australia. Of course, you come from pretty good stock that includes, but not only, your old man, a Bathurst winner, how does that help you coming from such a family steeped in racing history? Um, yeah, look, uh, obviously I got dad by my side, um, lots of knowledge, lots of experience. And he's done this thing before. He's gone overseas as a young kid. He knows what to expect. Um, but, you know, he's been there my whole career. He's always given me the right path to go on. He's always helped me make the right decisions. Um so going overseas, he's going to be with me by my side. He's going to be there in Portugal and Spa. Um, and look, he'll just he'll help me feel comfortable um, and he'll help me give give my best attempt at having a red-hot go. So um, without him, I don't think I'd be where I am. Uh, neither Dad or my mum, you know, they both give everything into my career. So um, having Dad by my side is going to mean everything and it's going to really help me give my best uh, give my best foot forward. Okay, then looking forward to later in the year when the world comes to Australia for Sydney Motorsport Park and then the Bathurst International. How big is that going to be, do you think? How exciting to have, well, 
the world touring car category racing twice in successive weekends in Australia? Uh, I think it's going to be really epic for not only TCR, but Australian motorsport. Obviously, it's going to be a pretty big event. We're going to have lots of TCR cars on the grid and some of the best talent around the world. So I think, look, it it can do really good things for this sport um, and especially this category. I hope it does does sort of leapfrog the category because um, it, it, it would be really good to see if this is a regular thing year in and year out. Um, and I think if people... Uh, do tend to uh, do tune in to watch those weekends. They'll see how amazing TCR racing actually is and they want more of it. So, um, look, fingers crossed it does the best things for the category. Um, and hopefully with what I'm doing going overseas, it excites excite some young talent to want to do the same thing. Um, and and it, it becomes a new pathway for, for young kids. Can TCR make a dent here, mate? I mean, it's up against supercars. Uh, look, I don't think TCR need to fight supercars. The supercars is never going to probably stop being the premier category in Australia, but I think TCR can be its own international platform that can be exciting. I, I think TCR, once it gets its feet right, will be an amazing category for this country. And it's you know it's not as expensive as, uh, as supercars. There's less racing, yes, but there's, you know, the racing's awesome. The racing's great. Um, there's different platforms of vehicle. Like, it's really exciting. And I think um, having a sort of cost cap in terms of building those cars is really good. Um, doesn't allow stupid money to be spent. Um, but, look, I think once it – I think it needs to find its feet a bit, uh, and I think it will. But I don't think it will ever take on supercars, no. But I don't think it needs to. All right, then. Well, Ben Barguana, best of luck for your big international tilt in Portugal and then at the famous Spa track and then the rest of the series back here at home. Thanks for your time. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thanks, folks. And thanks, Ben Barguana. And looking forward to seeing how Ben... Uh, goes over there at Portimao. I really hope that that Peugeot is enough to uh, to be as competitive as it can. We know Benny can do the job. He's won races in TCR Australia here, uh, and we hope it's up to the task to take it up with some of those uh, newer Audis and Hondas and Hyundais and uh, all of those great cars that we see in TCR. So there we go. That is Parked Up for this episode. We thank you for listening. Of course, you can listen to Parked Up Plus every Monday with Mark Fogarty. There's a brand new Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing podcast coming out uh, this week. Uh, But there was a really great one a couple of weeks ago with Mike Borland, of course, the creator of Spectrum, most famous for their uh, creation of the, the Spectrum Formula Fords. Um, that was a really cool episode. It's got plenty of listens, plenty of downloads. If you haven't uh, gone on and listened to that, please go and search for it. It's the Napa Grassroots Racer Podcast, Grassroots Racing Podcast. Uh, And the girls on the grid, they are uh, up to episode 50. They're coming up to episode 50. And they've, they've actually been nominated for a Victorian Sports Award they are one of four finalists. So congratulations to Priya and Tanea. They're coming up to episode 50 and what a way 
for uh, for that milestone to happen with uh, some recognition uh, from one of our sporting governing bodies. So uh, we wish them all the best uh, for when those awards happen in a month or two. You can go check them out, of course. Another one of Network R's podcast, The Girls on the Grid. Okay, that's it. I'm Grant Rowley. Hope you've enjoyed this episode. Might see you all over in Perth. You've just listened to another Network R production. 